Six months after a massive heist at Toronto's airport, a lawsuit is shedding new light on the crime. $20 million in gold and nearly $2 million in cash were nabbed from a cargo facility and police as yet have not announced any developments in the case. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Adrian Humphreys joins me to discuss the nature of the lawsuit, what it reveals about the crime and what recourse is being sought. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, or tell your friends about the show. So Adrian, nearly six months ago, we saw a massive gold heist at Toronto's airport. And for those who may have forgotten, I mean, it's been a very busy news year, so I'm not surprised some people had forgotten about the gold heist this year. What happened on April 17th in Toronto? On April 17th, an Air Canada plane landed at Toronto's Pearson Airport, arriving from Switzerland, uh, Zurich. And um, on board, along with the passengers and other cargo, was a cargo shipment stuffed full of gold bars and banknotes. There was about $2 million US dollars in banknotes, worth of banknotes, and um, $20 plus million dollars worth of gold bars. And then it went missing. No one knows exactly uh, at the time. They just said uh, um, it's been stolen. They called it a heist. But it was quite clear that there was, you know, it, it, it was not a strong arm robbery. There wasn't balaclavas and ski masks and guns. There was no hostage takings or shootouts or, or threats. Um, it was clearly taken by subterfuge or an inside job or something of that nature. But it was one of, and remains one of the largest uh, thefts in Canadian history. Do we know at this point if police have any suspects? Have they had anything more to say in the intervening six months? No, the police have had nothing to say, which is, you know, they often, it often is for two, one of two reasons. Either they're, they feel they're close to closing the case and they don't want to do anything to interfere with it, like they don't need the public's help, such as releasing a video to say, we're looking for someone driving this brown van or whatever, or they've got nothing. They just got nothing to say and update because they're befuddled. And, uh, you know, at first I thought it was the fir- former. I thought they didn't want it. They were, they were quite close. Sometimes they have wiretaps going and, and uh, you know, they, they don't need any public assistance. But given uh, the very latest events, uh, I'm now thinking it's, it's, it's latter that they just don't have anything to say. In the absence of that, a recently uncovered lawsuit has shed some light onto the events of April 17th and the days leading up to it. And, and before we get into some of those details first, who is suing whom? So the, the gold and the cash was being transported uh, by Brinks. They're most famous for their armored cars. They're a, they're a security transportation firm, among other things. Um, they were hired by two companies. One was a Swiss bank that hired them to move the $2 million in banknotes. And the other was a, 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 Swiss, a Swiss precious metal refining company that hired them to move the $20.4 million in gold bars. They were both going from Zurich to Toronto at about the same time. So Brinks seems to have compiled them into one shipping container and then hired Air Canada Secure, as it's called AC Secure, to uh, safely move it from its senders to its, uh, its receivers. Brinks, uh, Air Canada did fly it to Toronto. 
um, according to all the information. And Brinks did retrieve it from the airplane uh, and drive it to an Air Canada cargo facility. And this is the new information that's being alleged by Brinks because they are now suing Air Canada for its lack of security because they say, they claim that they turned over the shipment to Air Canada at their warehouse and that the thief um, encountered very little to no um, security or interference in making off with, you know, $22 million in cash and gold. So how is it that the robbery unfolded according to this lawsuit? What are they saying about the individual who, or individuals who carried out the heist? Well, there's a small series of events that were revealed in this, in the statement of claim. So these are unproven allegations of Brinks, um, currently unchallenged. Air Canada wouldn't comment on the lawsuit and, and they've not filed a statement of defense uh, to, to challenge or rebut any of it. But the untested allegation is that um, the, the, that Brinks had communicated with Air Canada to, to arrange for the shipping, that they declared the contents of the shipment uh, as gold bars and banknotes, uh, the value of them and the shipping and the receiver, uh, all by email with Air Canada um, so that people within Air Canada would know that the shipment was on its way a few days beforehand. When it arrived three days later, by then, the allegation is, someone who obviously was waiting for the shipment, knew the shipment was coming, had created a fraudulent or fake waybill, and that this person, Brinks claims, walked into the Air Canada f- supposedly secure facility, showed this fake waybill, was unchallenged, unchecked, unverified, and they turned over gold bars and banknotes to this to this person who then quote absconded with the shipment we'll be right back you'd think that airport security would be you know more secure were there challenges there that made this robbery easier to carry out? Were there were there changes going on at the Air Canada Secure Facility? Was there any other issues at play, according to the Brinks lawsuit? Well, there is some mention to there that, that Air Canada Secure, AC Secure, was sort of upgrading, um, enhancing, and new improved processes before this. Um, whether that had been done or played a part in this, we, we just don't know yet. But according to the Brinks uh, lawsuit claims, I mean, it's, it's unbelievably uh, severe um, against Air Canada, referring to it as reckless in its operation and failing to adequately secure the cargo um, in, in any way. They say that this, this, uh, this person was, that <clears throat> they accepted the fraudulent way bill from this unidentified individual without verifying its authenticity, without verifying the identity of the individual. Um, they, they also, there's a reference to, um, to lack of uh, video surveillance, um, which may have explained why the Peel Regional Police who are investigating this haven't released any video for, for people to, uh, to, to offer any tips on. Um, they say there was no security protocols or features in place at all to monitor, restrict, or regulate unidentified people from accessing the, 
the facility. And this is a facility that's incredibly busy. It takes everything from, you know, people shipping their cars, their household contents, um, anything that sort of really gets shipped by air and isn't. This is where people can go to collect personal items, where large companies go, uh, you know, Amazon, big shipping firms, uh, Brinks, all of these uh, sorts of uh, items and services go through uh, this this warehouse. Now, the warehouse is, is on the periphery of airport property. So the, the there's a secure door, you know, from the runway area that, you know, is a, normal people can't get in without clearance. But there's also a public facing side, a sort of the other side of the fence sort of thing, um, where you or I could go to collect a shipment that, that we're expecting. Um, so it is that uh, sort of netherworld uh, between the ex- uh, sort of the red zone <laughs> and the green zone, uh, part of which is, you know, uh, you would think is very secure for, for security and safety uh, to prevent terrorism and so forth, as well as um, any sort of theft or drug trafficking that goes on. And then this public-facing access point. And clearly, if, if, if the allegations in this lawsuit are correct, there was no uh, or not adequate uh, barrier or protocols between where the red zone and the green zone meet. And what damages are, are Brinks seeking in this lawsuit? Well, they certainly want the $20.4 million value of the gold, and they want the $1,945,000 worth of banknotes, because as part of the Brinks services, part of the appeal of their service, not only is the um, their long-standing expertise in, in sort of secure transit, it's sort of a household name, um, they also uh, guarantee the loads they transport. So if they lose your load, they're going to make whole, make you good for the value lost. And now it's up to Brinks to try and recover uh, its losses from who they feel or they allege is the is the party at fault here, and that would be Air Canada. So they want that. They also ask for, like they always do in in, in lawsuits, you know, other damages, aggravating damages, uh, the costs of the proceedings, and so forth. So I mean, there's a fair amount of money here at stake. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that in in cases like this, the police may not release information but because they don't want to damage the integrity of the case. A lawsuit like this, releasing a whole bunch of information in a statement of claim, I could see the police being wary about a lawsuit like this going forward. Did Peel Regional Police offer any comment on this on the lawsuit or the specifics of the statement of claim, or are they staying pretty mum on this? Oh, they're staying completely quiet. I, I spoke to them, and they they confirm it's a very active, ongoing investigation, in their words, um, and they, they only will release information, uh, they say, when it will not infer, uh, interfere with the investigators in, the investigation's integrity. Uh, so they're releasing no further information. They've not rebutted, uh, or, 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 you know, the information anyway, but it's not necessarily their role to do that. Um, I, I think Peel Police, uh, all things considered, would probably prefer that the, uh, uh, the lawsuit didn't proceed, but... Um, you know, that's just the, the nature of our open court system, uh, the beauty of a democracy. <laughs> Very true. Um, I know that Air Canada hasn't commented on the lawsuit, hasn't filed a statement of claim. I'm I'm curious, is there a time frame in which they have to respond to this lawsuit? And then further, do we know if in the last six months, if AC Secure has made any changes to its security procedures to to potentially prevent another uh, uh, robbery of, of any nature uh, from happening? 
So, you know, Air Canada will have to reply at some point. Um, they usually have, I don't know, a couple months in which to uh, perfect their statement of defense. And they typically go through it line by line. We acknowledge this. We deny this. We have no information on that. And then, and then it starts to be litigated in court. And as for any changes it's made, um, we, we just don't know. They wouldn't comment. You know, after the theft happened, they said they couldn't comment because it's a police investigation. And uh, and then uh, after the lawsuit filed, it went back to them again. And now they say, well, we can't comment on it because it's before the court. Well, of course, there's 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 no law preventing them from commenting on things before the court, and there's no law from commenting on their you know emotional response to an event uh, that's not going to jeopardize the police investigation. So um, I suspect it's something that they really don't want to talk about. This is certainly a bad look uh, for Air Canada, regardless of who it's fault, and it's also a bad look for Brinks in that sense. And that's probably why they want to you know they're not complaining that it's now public. Of what they of their side of the story. Well, I I guess we'll see what Air Canada has to say for itself when it files its statement of defense, and and we'll see if police manage to make any headway in the case. Adrian, thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for your interest. It's a it's a great story and a great case. Ten three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Adrian Humphreys. More from him at NationalPost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.